You're listening to a podcast from Catalyst Vineyard Church, Aberdeen. You can find out more about our church, as well as more talks on our website, catalyst.vin. Hey, listen, we're in this Advent series. I just want to kick off with a little moment in my own life. It was 1988, and uh, we had not long come back from India, and uh, we'd uh, landed back in Sheffield, and um, my mom and dad, you know, didn't have a lot of money. And uh, the one thing that I had wanted for years was a bike. You know, when I lived abroad, I didn't have a bike, and I was a bit jealous, to be honest. That other, you know, I heard people had bikes, and I wanted a bike. And so one of the first things my mom and dad did was they bought me a milk race rally racer. Some of you are like, yes. Some of you are like, what on earth is that? Okay, it was this, this racing bike, and I was so delighted with it, and I remember getting it and riding around the estate on it and thinking, this is brilliant. Anyway, about two months after I got it, my dad had bolted, like put a, like a rack up in the terraced house, and, 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 and somebody had seen it and nicked it. And I was, yeah, thank you. It's panto season, isn't it? Oh, and I was absolutely gutted. And, you know, my mom and dad, you know, again, just dad was on the dole and, you know, he was on benefits and things were super tight and, and Christmas was coming and we knew that, that this particular Christmas was going to be a little bit of a tight Christmas. And, but that's okay, you know, mom and dad did, did as well, you know, they, they never, you know, they, they always gave us something. And, you know, anyway, Christmas Day came and we had a good time. We went downstairs and I don't know how it works in your house, but... You know, my mom's a teacher, so there's, there's always got to be order at Christmas. It's not a free-for-all, people. There's got to be order. You know, and so we would go around and open presents, and who's this from, and all of that. Anyway, we got to the end, and Dad looked at me, and he said, Hey, Jay, guess what? You've got another present. I was like, what? what? Really? He said, yeah, but it's not in here. It's in the room next door. It's in the dining room. And I remember walking, opening the door and walking into the dining room. And there was a brand new bike. Absolutely brilliant. 12 speed. It was better than the, the one that got nicked. And, the, and, the, and, and, and what happened was, I was just about, I think I was like 13, nearly 14. I had an involuntary moment, an outburst of joy and tears. You see, in that moment, the robbery had been reversed. In that moment, that which had been stolen from me, I had got something back that was even better. You know, we're coming, we're in the Advent moment, and we're celebrating the greatest reversal in history. We're celebrating Jesus coming and, and reversing the robbery of sin and death. That's what we're celebrating. That's what, you know, when we come to church on a Sunday morning, why we can sing and we begin to go, yes, God, I love you. I love what you've done. You have broken in and you're reversing what sin has done and robbed humanity of. That's what Advent, this is what Christmas is really all about. And so we're going to look this morning, you know, as I burst into joy and had that moment of wow. We're going to read a passage that was written hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus came. 
and it's just littered with moments and outbursts of joy. And so we're going to be looking and we're going to read Isaiah 35 this morning. It's called the joy of the redeemed. And it's just look at the language that you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna see. Loads and loads of gratitude. There's, there's bursting out, there's shouting, there's leaping going on. You ready? Let's we read it. This is what it says. It says, the desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be uh, given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord and the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution, and he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning, the burning sand will become a pool. The thirsty ground, bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. And it will be called the way of holiness. It will be... For those who walk on that way, the unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, no ravenous beast. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there. And those the Lord has rescued will, will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. I mean, I think we can have a little round of applause at the end of that, can't we? I mean, look what God wants to do. It's amazing imagery. You know, when there's a, there's a, there's a blind man in the New Testament, and Jesus comes to him and he says, what, what, what can I do for you? And it's, you'd think it's pretty obvious. He says, I just want to see. And uh, Jesus heals him. And he can see. You know, in the Old Testament, the prophets of old were called seers. I've been praying, God, I want to see. I want to see what you're doing in, in this generation. I want to perceive what you're doing today. This man, Isaiah, who was born many, many years before the coming of Jesus, he was a man who prayed, Lord, I want to see. I want to see what you're doing in my time. And what we see here in this passage is a man that can see and he sees what God is doing for his generation. But he looks beyond the generation on his peers and he sees beyond that to another time. A time where bodies would be healed. A time when the blind would see again. A time that's connected to a person. And then he looks beyond that moment to another time. And, and now it becomes our future. A future in history where the whole thing is wrapped up. It's incredible. And he sees because he sees that God has a plan. A plan of redemption for humanity. 
that we're not left alone. There is a way to reconnect, to find out who we are. And so this is this one of these passages that kind of sort of propels us into a future, helps us see what the end will be like. I mean, no, look at the lands, and we're going to end up talking about this. Gladness and joy will overtake them. I'll tell you what, guys, I don't know about you, but we need some joy. This world needs some joy, but there will come a time when joy will overtake all because his presence will be manifest fully with us. It's mad, isn't it? It's big picture stuff. And so Isaiah, just to give you a bit of context, God raises up this guy Isaiah and calls him to speak to the nation of Israel, to speak to them and say, come back into a relationship with God. They're in rebellion. And we see throughout history that when Israel is connected and living in God's ways, they are blessed and protected and goodness is in their lives. And the nation is flourishing. But when they push back and they rebel, it all begins to fall apart. And that's not just Israel's story. That is the story of humanity. In the beginning, in the garden, it was this beautiful picture where God creates humanity to be in relationship with God. And we see at the end of the day, it says, and, and humanity, Adam and Eve are walking in the cool of the day with God. What a beautiful picture that that is what life should be like. To walk in intimacy and connection with the Creator. And when we're doing that, oh, it's life that's blossoming. But we know, but we know, don't we, that just as Israel chooses to do their own thing, humanity chooses to do their own thing, things get messy. I remember reading a quote about the Garden of Eden. It says something like this. It, the issue wasn't that Adam chose the forbidden fruit. The issue is we keep on doing it. <laughs> Israel, God's chosen people, a history of amazing rescue, are in full rebellion in this time. And, and Isaiah is seeing, and he's trying to warn them all the way through the book, that turn, turn, and they'll have a different kind of future. But it's like they're just not listening. And yet in amongst all of that, we see these beautiful moments throughout the book of Isaiah where God's plan and God's heart and God's hope suddenly comes out and comes to the surface. I was um, reading initially and then I ended up looking on YouTube uh, of, uh, of, you, know, you know what a geezer is? And I'm not saying geezer. You know, a geyser, I think Americans would call it. A geezer. I was reading about Steamboat Geezer. It's the largest um, thermal geezer in the world. You know, when hot water suddenly just comes out from the earth. It occasionally, and it erupts, it can erupt hot water and steam 300 feet into the air. It's amazing. I mean, I think we might have a picture of it up there, uh, Sam. Let's show us. Go back one. Look at that. 
What is going on here? That which is hidden, that which is underneath, it's like, the, and, and, you know, if you know anything about the water in the, in, in, that's in the fishes of the rock, descends and then hits hot rock and molten lava, and then, it, and, it, and then vaporizes under extraordinary pressure, and it has to then find its way up through to the surface, and that's what you see. Suddenly water just coming out. Next one. I love this photo. The earth cannot contain the promises of God. And all the way through the book of Isaiah, this is a great picture. We see rebellion and judgment, and then suddenly it's like Isaiah, he can't contain what he is seeing, that God is going to do something. God is going to restore. God has got a plan, and it's like, it comes up. It comes out. Let me read you a few of those moments. <laughs> because it's in chapter 6, I want to give you a quick tour of Isaiah. In chapter 6, he, he's called and he said, I'm sending you to an obstinate nation, a nation that's probably not going to hear you. And so Isaiah says this to the Israelite nation. He says, in those times, God will whistle and bees and the flies of the Nile will come and settle. And in that day, the Lord will use a razor from beyond the Euphrates River to shave your head, to cut off your beards, and to shave your private parts. I didn't know that was in the Bible. Sounds not good, does it? And so what we've got is Isaiah's going, if you do not turn, you're going to be humiliated. God is on your side, but you're ignoring him. You are, this, so he tells them, this is what is coming. The nations around you are going to humiliate you, and ultimately you're going to be taken into captivity. And then in chapter 9, we have this moment. It's like an eruption happens. People walking in darkness have seen a light. And unto us a child is born, and the government will be on his shoulders. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace. There will be no end to his rule. He will reign, establishing his kingdom, and the Lord will do it. And so we've got judgment and woe, and then God's going to do something, and he's going to send somebody. And then it's more judgments, more woes. And then chapter 11, it says, and root, a root from Jesse will spring up and the spirit of God will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, righteousness, he will judge the needy. Goes on to describe that the wolf will lie down with the lamb, the calf, the lion, and the yearling together. And a child will lead them. And he will be a banner for all people, and they will find rest. Another eruption of hope and joy and possibility, and then more judgments in the nations and this tumult and strife. And he's saying it doesn't have to be this way. Turn, turn. And then in chapter 25, it speaks of God acting and paints the picture that ultimately death one day will be swallowed up. God's doing something. God's going to do something that will push back death forever and reverse the powers. And there'll be victory. And he goes on to say there'll be no longer tears. 
And something of that seems to affect all people from all nations. And then it kicks back into more woes, more judgments. And then in verse 32, it's another eruption of hope and joy. And it says, I see a king reigning righteousness, reversing all that's wrong. And it says he is a refuge in the storms of life. And then it's back in more woes. And then we come to chapter 35. It's extraordinary. In amongst the crisis of life, Isaiah is saying God has a plan. God has a plan. And so this is a word, this initial kind of from verse 1 to sort of 4 is an initial word to his generation and to the next generation, the immediate next generation. He's saying, you're going to get pulled into captivity, but there'll come a moment when you will return and the land itself, the parched land, will be glad. Because we see what happens when, when you remove the people from the land. What happens? The land is not tilled. The land is not taken care of. The desert re-encroaches. The wilderness comes back, doesn't it? But what he's saying to his people is there'll come a time when God will move and you will return and you will get a chance to re-establish yourself and the land that has been parched will bloom again. So he's almost saying, this is a word, a prophetic word about ecology of Israel. It's amazing. And the amazing thing is this. It comes true. It does, it comes true. And we have the amazing stories of Nehemiah and Ezra. And God brings his people back to Jerusalem. And so Isaiah is seeing something of the immediate future, God's faithfulness that goes beyond the current rebellious generation. He's seeing that God has a plan and he will act. And he's seeing the joy of a people returning home. And this is kind of echoed in a whole bunch of other prophets. And in Zephaniah 3, it says this, it says, when the people call on the name of the Lord, he says, I will gather you and I'll bring you home. And he promises that the parched land will rejoice and it does. Now that's Isaiah's immediate future. And that's something that's far in our past. But he's looking at that moment, he's seeing that moment, and then he's seeing something way beyond. I don't know where you are today, I know this, that the, the promise of Isaiah here is also still a promise for you and me. I don't know how you're feeling this morning. I don't know how you, what's going on in your life online. But the promise is here is you reconnect with God. That which is parched and dry and has been a wilderness and has been overrun, God can restore and renew. I'm an 80s kid. Everything 80s I love. Somebody bought me recently a t-shirt. XR2i on it. I love it. Fiesta. XR2. But I am an 80s man. Some of you are already feeling the vibe in the room. 
When Top Gun came out the first time round, I was like, this is my story. I love it. When they told me there's going to be another one, I don't know about you lot, but I think a whole bunch of middle-aged men were like, yes, Top Gun 2 Maverick is coming. You can bring it down a little bit. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll end up all singing along. You can actually kill it. <laughs> the, the music, that is. I remember like going, going to the cinema and watching, who remembers going to the cinema, watching the trailer? And you were like, we're getting a glimpse of what is about to come. I got very excited. And I, I tell you what, it wasn't disappointing. Come on now, let's have a vote. Best film in the last 10 years. No, just me and you. We're of a particular age. What going on? What 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 we have now is that, that Isaiah sees the trailer of Jesus. Look at what he says there. He'll say, you know, after you're returned and all the rest of it, God's come to save you. He says, and the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. And the lame will leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. It's like suddenly Isaiah is pulling us into a new era. The era of Christ. It's like he stood there seeing and watching Jesus lay hands on people. And suddenly people's bodies are being made well. And not in the language there, it's not just about bodies. But then he starts to talk about water gushing out. And so bodies are renewed. Bodies are made whole. And there's a spiritual vitality that comes. I love that. He promises people will shout for joy. And so when you put this outburst alongside chapter 9, and upon his shoulders the government will be this child. You know, this person in, verse, in chapter 11, a king of righteousness is coming. It's all linked to a child that's going to come into the world. Isaiah is seeing the effects the effects of this person who comes. And he's seeing the joy that's being manifest. This prince of peace somehow reversing the curse of sin and disease and causing a spiritual vitality out of the driest and most overrun lives comes new life. Great promise. You know, just this week, um, somebody got in touch with me and said, I'd like to bring a friend um, to meet you. He's really poorly. And I said, of course, come. And his friend was, I, we need, I, I want us to pray for him. He needs a miracle. And so this week I had the incredible opportunity to just spend some time with um, this individual who's had a catalogue of illness and has a terminal condition. And actually, I was really powerfully impacted with the incredible resilience of this person's life. I was really moved by his, their friend who said, oh, we've got to get you in front of Jesus. And it reminded me of those amazing friends in Luke's gospel 
when Jesus comes to town, they're like, we've got to bring our friend who can't walk. I think it's one of the most remarkable and beautiful stories of friendship, where these four people grab their friend and they bring him to the place where Jesus is and they can't get in because there's such a crowd. And yet, lots of us would have gone home in that moment. Oh, there's not enough room. We can't get in. There's too many obstacles. But no, no, no. No, they've got to get in in front of Jesus. And so they get creative. And they climb onto the roof. And they count the cost of digging through a roof. And they rip it open. I think it must have been... One of the most hilarious moments in Jesus' ministry. Can you imagine being in that room? Imagine being the person whose house it was. What are you doing? Hello! (laughs) I brought a friend! (laughs) And then they're lowering him down. Can you imagine this guy just like being lowered down? Right in front of the Prince of Peace. The one that Isaiah has been talking about. The one that can break the bonds, renew life, give a new start. And as you read that passage, in the Gospels, they record in one, in Mark's Gospel, Jesus' first words to that broken man, his friend. And in Luke's Gospel, it's son. Your sins are forgiven. But just so you know that the Son of Man has the power to forgive sins on earth, I say to you, body, brokenness, lameness, it's over. Get up. And that man is suddenly strengthened supernaturally. And I feel like sometimes the Gospels go British and it just says, and he rolled up his mat and went home. (laughs) And then it says, and everybody was in awe. I think in the Middle East, all joy broke loose. I've only ever really seen one person supernaturally healed and it was in this room person who had been deaf from birth, suddenly their ear popped when somebody prayed for them and they jumped up and screamed involuntary joy and literally did a lap of this building. Christmas is just around the corner. This man was carried in, but he walked home. He was carrying a load of guilt and shame, but he went home free. He came in a stranger and went home being called a son and a friend. That's why we're celebrating Christmas. Because of the coming of Jesus, he didn't come just to mend bodies, but he came to mend humanity. 
of all of our mess. And just as the friends dug through that roof, making a way into the very presence of God, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus has come to make a way and to dig through and to shoulder the cost of the cross and to bring freedom and forgiveness to us all so that we can once again walk with God in the cool of the day as sons and daughters. That's why we celebrate. And I love the language here as we read this. For where there has been wilderness and desert, the waters will gush. Life, literally, where, where, where there's been, life is being drained from it, life will come. And we see again the imagery of reversal and total transformation. I just think this is a word for all of us. It's in God, in Jesus, all of our dryness can be revitalized. Where we've been drained of life through sin and shame, he wants to reverse all of that. And it comes when we sit with him, look him in the eye, and he does an internal job on us first, as well as sorting our bodies out as well. It's good, isn't it? It's really good. Look at that. The blind see, the deaf hear, the mute shout, the dry and the dead are bursting into life. Where we've been burning in pain, there's a refreshing pool. Those that are thirsty... There's an available bubbling spring. Obviously, you could do a whole talk on the coming of the Holy Spirit coming to dwell in us. And then finally, he just lands, doesn't he, with this highway there, a permanent place of joy. A number of years ago, actually a good few years ago, it was nearly 20 years ago, um, me and a couple of pals decided to go into the mountains and actually, we went up Loch Nagar, which is one of my favorite places. If you don't know where that is, if you're online today, just go and look it up. Absolutely stunning. We headed off in the morning early, but, uh, and as we got going along Loch Mick and then started to climb, the, the weather really began to come in. And when we went over the boulder field, it, we could not see a thing. And guess what? Within about 15 to 20 minutes, I knew we were lost, but there was another individual in the group that thought they knew where they were going. An hour later, I pulled the plug, and I said, you haven't a clue, do you? And he went, I don't know. And we were in real trouble. I remember thinking, well, we're going to get a, um, you know, I had one of those old Nokias. That's how far along, how far ago, how long ago it was. And so we just literally went for high ground, and I got a bar, a bar of reception. That's all I needed. And I phoned a friend. And as I phoned my friend, I said, this is ridiculous, but have you got an ordnance survey map of Loch Nagar? And he went, you'll never guess. I do. He was at work, and he opened a drawer, and he pulled out the ordnance survey map as I began to describe where I thought I was. He began to say, no, no, I know where you are. I know where you are. And he began to describe 
how we were going to have to get out of the valley. I mean, it was like three o'clock and it was March and it was starting to get dark. Anyway, we trusted him. And just in that moment, as he was explaining what was going on, the wind began to blow. And, the, and actually the fog lifted for about a minute. And we could see right the way across where we needed to go. And I remember us legging it across the heather towards, you know, familiar territory. And then there was this moment when we'd been kind of pushing through the heather. And we were in panic mode. I was really concerned. You know, we could end up in a really dodgy situation. And I just remember then treading, stepping from the heather onto the path. This beautiful, well-maintained path. And the moment I stood on it, I knew I was going home. A highway was there. And this is the highway that Isaiah described. You see, he's looked at the immediate situation of his generation and said, God's got a plan for us. And he sees beyond that to a moment when Jesus comes and Jesus makes a change and Jesus dies and Jesus is resurrected and all of the promises of Jesus come for body and soul to be renewed. And then he looks beyond that. He sees through that to the end of time. To a moment where everything, everything will be wrapped up. And he promises a permanence of joy when we come to meet Christ for ourselves face to face. And so as we land this little passage, they will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. And gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee. You know, Isaiah gets us celebrating the coming of Jesus. And leaves us longing for the next bit. For the next bit of the future. A future where you know him. If you know him now, you're going to know him in the future. He's begun a renewing in us and it will be fully completed then. And you and me who have come to know him will dance with joy in his presence. And there is an invitation from Isaiah to step onto a highway, to live a life of forgiveness and renewal. And when we do that, there's a security of our eternity. And so I want to land there. As we celebrate the coming of Jesus this Christmas, there is a longing for his promise to come. A longing of a future where we spend it with him for all eternity. You know, guys, why don't we stand we're going to pray, and I don't know where you're at this morning. There's a lot in this passage around renewal and rejuvenation, and maybe you're just feeling dry and tired at this time of this season. But we just want to ask God to come and refresh us. But I do believe there is a beautiful invitation to turn. Maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you don't know God and there's actually a hunger in your life. You look at your own life and you're like, I feel like a desert ground. It feels like I'm overrun with a whole bunch of stuff. God wants to speak to you. He's speaking to you today to say, turn and come and come in and become a son. 
Come and receive renewal and forgiveness and life today. And so I want to pray for us. And then Mark and Julia are going to lead us in some ministry. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the words of Isaiah so many years before the coming of Jesus that point to a beautiful Prince of Peace who ushers in a new era of life, of cleansing and forgiveness. And we receive that today. And we want to walk with you, God. And for any of us that don't know, and we call ourselves Christians here in this room or online, is an invitation. And maybe you want to pray with me this morning, Jesus, I don't want to be in the wilderness. I want to be on the right road. I want to walk with you. Please remove my sin as you did on the cross. I want to connect with you. I want to be filled with your spirit this morning. Take away the brokenness of my heart and my body and my life. And bring me home. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.